0: Amen, amen. Debbie and I were in a couple places today and it's folks out of our church and both homes just bragged on the kind of fellowship of faith they had didn't they Debbie? And it's true. this is a good church. we're not perfect, but I'll tell you what I like coming here. I like worshiping with you. I like who I know you are and, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what God is doing and has done. The book of Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 we We'll not get through all of those tonight, and we're not—we're not going to. I want to let you know as we start. there, we are not going to do—we're not going to do an exhaustive study on chapter 38 and 39. As as we look at the second war out of the what is it? Nine wars of the end time wars. Uh, so we're—you know—we're—we're we're not going to do a deep dive, but we're going to get most of the verses out of this chapter. Kind of look at them, make reference to them. May be when we get to the last. Thing that I think the Lord would have us to look in considering this first war of Gog and Magog, uh, the timing of it, we'll spend maybe a week or two, maybe even be three weeks, you know, just looking at some things, me sharing with you my convictions and telling you, telling you why. That is one of the big things that many people differ on when they look at this war of Gog and Magog uh, is to when it will occur. When will it happen? And I'm not saying that I'm right, but I'll tell you what I like. I like what the Lord has shown me, and I've got some good big biblical evidence to back it up, and that's that's what's most important. That's what most important uh, to me. Now, if you don't have a map and the nations of of chapter thirty-eight, and thirty-nine of the book of Ezekiel, I apologize. I had my Manelli envelope laying. Right underneath my Bible, and when I picked my Bible up, that's where it stayed. So uh, yeah, I, yeah, we'll yeah, we'll get you to put put just hold on a minute though, not right yet, but but yeah, that's what I'll need. I'll need the colored map up when we get there. And uh, we'll we'll look at these, we'll look at these nations and you know, share some things. I don't know all about them. I, I got some facts off the internet. Uh, this evening, and and uh, you know everything found on internet's true, right? Well, I proved that to be wrong because I a lot of times I'll check more than one source, and I go to this place and there's there's like five thousand two hundred and twenty-seven square miles in Israel. I go to another one, and lo and behold, it grew. By the time I went from one site to another, to eight thousand and some. So anyway, I'm gonna stick with the first number I got. I saw it more than once, but. Getting numbers and statistics and whatnot it's even even in these kind of uh, places where they're specialists you know in in population and area and dense all that kind of stuff, so sometimes you just got to get to something and go on so if you Google what I tell you and it's the opposite or it's different, you'll find out if you keep looking you'll find my numbers my numbers on there too. Um, From what I can understand, uh, this this battle, this battle of Gog and Magog, I've, I've called it the first battle of Gog and Magog because there is another battle that is Gog and Magog we find in the book of the Revelation chapter 20. And there are some people, and some things look, when I when I can see something in the Word of God and understand it, I'm surprised that everybody can't. Now that's how simple I am. Y'all may not believe that, but it is true. But there it's an obvious thing that there are two Gog and Magog battles that are totally different in so many ways that it is not funny. So I call this one the first battle of Gog and Magog, the second will be the second. Battle of Gog and Magog, which will be actually the last battle that's fought after after the nine that we find in the Word of God. So, if y'all want to read up on that, you can find that in Revelation in Revelation chapter twenty. Uh, I want to begin reading in chapter three or thirty-eight, and I'll read down through and include at least at least verse eight. May get verse nine to go with it, but we'll see when we get there. See what the Lord says in the. Word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man. That was his nickname in the Old Testament, Son of man. I think that's beautiful, actually. Set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee. I'd hate to get a letter like that from the Lord, wouldn't you? My word, I'd hate to get a letter like that, from the Lord. He said, I I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. So there, Gog is identified. In fact, it's defined. Gog is not a place. It is a person. It is a leader. It is a chief. It it is a head, okay? We'll, We'll talk maybe more about that later. He said, and I will turn thee back. Now, God's speaking. I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and one of the things we 're going to look at in this little study in the next couple of weeks is the motivation behind this war. There is a divine motivation there is a human motivation that is given to us in this in this chapter. I will bring thee forth and watch this all of thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. I'll just say this about that. Wouldn't you have hated to have been Ezekiel and trying to explain tanks and planes and ships to the people he was writing to? So he just talked about the instruments of war, I think is what he's talking about there. He said Persia, which is Iran, Ethiopia, Libya, with them, all of them with shields and helmets, helmets, and that is instruments of war, is what it is, are prepared for war, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togomer, of the north quarters, and all his bands, and watch this phrase, and many people with them. He specifies a number of Islamic nations that are not the inner circle of Islamic nations that we talked about in relation to Psalm 83. But these are Islamic nations that surround the inner nations, and I've referred to them as the outer Islamic nations. And that's what I put on the, on the handout, a list of the nations, the outer circle of nations, is what I referred to them as. as. Be thou prepared, and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them after many days. That's a great phrase, by the way, when it comes to prophecy. After many days thou shalt be visited. And he's going to specify at least a season, not a day, not a week, not a month, not a year. But he said, in the latter years. And we'll talk about that, what constitutes the latter years. But I'm going to say something that you already know. We're in the latter years. We are in the last days. Now, when you read in the Word of God, remember the the number one rule of rightly dividing the Word of God is context, context, context. There are places that you'll read about the last days of the church, and then you'll read about the last days of Israel. Two different things. Similar times, but they are different. Okay? They are different. So in the latter days, thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword. See, I could shout on this verse. I mean it. And is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel. See, he tells us something in verse 8 that is so significant. There there are precursors or preconditions, I think is the word I used in my outline. There are preconditions for this war uh, to, to be a reality. In other words, certain things have to be in place before this war could happen. And one of those things is that Israel has to be back in the land. And we'll go through the things that are that. But can I tell you something? I've already told you. And I know I say a lot of things that that you all forget, that you don't catch. And that's not criticism. Trust me. I don't get them the first time I come across them. So a lot of times I'll repeat. Repeating is a good way and method of teaching. So I don't want to apologize for repeating, it's a good way to teach, and I'm not questioning your all's intelligence. But you all know, friend, listen, there's more Jews in the land of Israel for the first time since they have been dispersed 2,000 years ago than there is any other place in the world. Now, that may not mean much to you, but it's a specific and a special thing that we ought to rejoice in. I mean to tell you that is phenomenal. America has the second largest number. Israel has, and again, depending on your source, anywhere from 6 million and some to 7 million and some. I'm taking the 7 million because I love them, because I like bigger numbers. If we're standing back, can I tell you all trade secret of your pastor and, and the board chairman? When we're back here and everybody's gone, we'll say, now, how many was there? I think it was 183. And if somebody said, no, nah, I believe they said 187, I said it was 187. You got to love my heart if you don't agree with me. Every preacher ought to think like that. Do you hear me? I'm always pleased, but I'm never satisfied. I don't care how good it gets here, and it gets good. It's good in here tonight, I think. If you agree with that, say Amen. I mean, there are people that have come, and and Miss Phyllis will tell you, they'll sign sign their visitor's card, and on the back of it, some of them have said, and I know a couple that's here tonight, I think, that said that. They said, we felt the Spirit of God when we got out of our car on the parking lot. Wasn't that your all's testimony, too? You're not the only one, bless the Lord. I mean, that's encouraging for a pastor's ears to hear and ought to be a blessing to this church, too. But he's talking about the people of God, that for almost 2,000 years have been buried among the nations of this world in order that they could be preserved. Now listen to this. See it? Look, y'all may not get it. You may not feel it. But trust me, it's shouting ground right here. None of this could happen. We couldn't be talking about the second coming of the Lord so much as we are without Israel being back in the land. None of this would be being talked about. None of these things would be important. We'd be thinking about nothing of this if it weren't for the fact May 14, 1948 under the leadership of David Ben-Gurion as the president of a newly revised, newly, newly resurrected state of Israel and declared themselves for the first time since 70 A.D. an independent, sovereign state. Why well, say glory? I mean glory, folks. Let let that sink down into your heart. He said is brought forth out forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Now we'll look at the word safely and think about securely and see what that means the best we can figure it out. I don't have a good answer, and nobody else does too. You're talking about differences of opinion on what is in this chapter along with 39 that goes along with it. This is one of the big sticking points. What the opinion is of different people. Good Bible men, good prophetic men about what that means. And I'll read verse 9 and then I'll stop. And thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud that cover the land. Thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Now let me say something right here. I'm going to add to what I just said. I said this couldn't happen if Israel had not been back in the land, and that's true. None of God's prophets. I mean, Israel is God's prophetic timepiece. If you agree with that, say amen. And she is. But let me tell you something else. If it had been of late, and we know that it's true, that a relationship has been developed and continuing to develop between Russia and Iran or Russia and the Islamic States, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We're going to look at something in this study called convergence. I've mentioned this from the pulpit to you this year several times since June. I mean, it's extremely important, the idea of convergence. And if we weren't at the place of convergence where... So many things that have been prophesied of concerning the last days have come together. That's what convergence means. When rivers converge, they come together. Or when anything else converge, they come together. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Hey, everybody look. It's an exciting time. Now you say, preacher, I've been hearing you say that for 15 plus years. That's exactly right. But it's more exciting today than it was the first day I told you down beside the road. I mean, every generation of believers should be looking for the second coming of Christ. They should be anticipating it, longing it, learning about it, and living like he's going to come today. But it's an exciting time, folks. It absolutely to me is one of the most exciting Put that map up if you don't care, David. Please, my friend, and I thank you. Now, this list of nations that I gave you on the list, And if you come next week if you don't have this, I'll try to remember the handout that I thought I would remember uh, tonight. Um, Here's one of the things that I have told you before and I need to to tell you again. Excuse me. (laughs) When you begin to look at these nations, and I'm going to be honest with you, I've done a deeper dive in this study trying to identify them than any other time in my life. As I told you, the first time I made mention of Psalm 83, wondered whether it was prophetic or historical, wondered whether it already happened or will it happen and all that, I told you that I thought some of those nations, those ten nations surrounding um, the nation of Israel, uh, border to border, some of them had disappeared. Well... I got to doing deeper study, and here's what I've come up with. You may do a study, get your list a little bit different. If you want to be wrong, go ahead. But anyway, thank you all for laughing. Y'all hadn't laughed on that in a long time. But, but you know, if, if you disagree, that's okay. But, but look, here's the deal. The, the, the idea behind rightly dividing the Word of God is to use a process of grammatical, historical interpretation. Now by that I mean when we go into the Word of God, we don't take stuff into it to try to make the Word of God say what we think it ought to say. That's called eisegesis. When you learn them big words, you've got to use them every now and then. It means to take or put in to something. We are to do, the Word of God is written, God has given it to us in a way to do what is called exegesis, to take out. And when I first started studying the Word of God, when I started preaching, I spiritualized this book and I took so much stuff into it to try to find a place and a way to make it say what I thought it ought to say. It's pitiful. I'm ashamed. I don't know how God put up with me. I don't know to this day why He called me other than I think he saw what I might, could become instead of what I was when I began. All right? So anyway, when you look at the Word of God, the responsibility of a teacher or preacher or any student of the Word of God is to go in it and in the time that it was written, using, using the words that are there to try to find what their meaning was and their usage in that day. Is that, is that understandable? And then we learn how to apply them into this day. So this list, both of these lists that I have given to you, that was applied. For instance, there are some people today that say that Gomer is Germany. And they specify, I believe they call it East Germany. And there is an attachment to Gomer, and I'll show it to you. You can even see it up there maybe. Is it on there? Okay, Gomer is, um, and I'm pretty well sure it was, that, that um, some of those people that were first located, listen now, in the day of Ezekiel, when this prophecy was written, did migrate on up into Europe, into Germany. All right? Their, their name starts with a C. I cannot remember what it, what it is, but part of them did go there. This is the area of the son of Japheth. If you're going to look and see where the genealogy of the earth began, what, what chapter and what book of the Bible would you go to? Genesis what? Chapter 10. That's a nugget. Take it with you. Okay, If you want to find out where Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their descendants were located, Genesis chapter 10. Uh, is that so? With that in mind, that's what we're going to do. Just for a moment, we'll we'll come back to this, uh, the, these maps, and uh, I mean, just for instance, we're going to start with 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 Gog. I've already told y'all that Gog simply refers to a leader, to to um, to a a chief. I think is the word that. It's defined as. So somebody that is leader. When you look, when I first started studying this years ago, Gog and Magog, it was explained to me as a leader and his people. And that's a pretty good definition, a pretty good way to say it. So Gog isn't necessarily a place, but it is a leader. I heard a preacher preach, a good man of God, great man of God, I believe. And he was talking about who he thought Gog was. Was. I couldn't agree with him, but I appreciate the fact that he studied and had a conviction, even explained a little bit why but I just I just couldn't and Hall. Now for a lot of, for a lot of times and I'm sorry I can't pinpoint on both sides you all, um, but for a long time it was just taken for granted that words that sounded alike meant such and such okay? But through a lot of research and through a lot of education, there are, um, there, there, there are no doubts that most of these, if not all of these names on this, are exactly where we're trying to identify them today. Look with me, if you will, at verse 15 in chapter 38. And this is mentioned more than one time. And thou shalt come from thy place, say the phrase, out of the north. Okay? Say it with me. Out of the north. Now... When he's talking direction in the Word of God, he's not talking about north of Dunbar, West Virginia. He's talking about north of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Ezekiel 5, 5 said, I have set thee in the midst midst of all the nations round about thee. Now, he's not just talking about the immediate nations around Israel. That's obvious. That's true. But he's talking about all the nations of the world. So Israel is the center of the earth, the center of the universe. God made it so. He chose it as the place where he would put his name. Out of all the tribes of Israel, it was Judah. And out of all the cities of the world, it was Jerusalem. Out of all the nations that exist. Can anybody tell me how many nations exist? Anybody? I can't. Anybody guess? Well... Israel is the centerpiece, and Jerusalem is like the navel. It is the center of planet Earth. In fact, it's the center of the universe of God. I don't understand why God chose planet Earth. the third. It's a third rock from the sun, right? I don't understand why God chose this to play out the greatest cosmic battle in, in, in eternity, but He has. But He has. He's got a purpose. Out of the north parts... From Jerusalem, you go north, south, east, and west. And he said, and many people with thee. All right, so there he gives us that phrase again. But when you get a chance, I've lost my pointer. When you get a chance, I'll tell you what you do. Y'all see where Israel is? Y'all remember trying to find out the last time? See Israel? If you lay a ruler down and go straight up, where are you going to hit? Now, when when you see and hear the north parts, it could be said the northern parts or the parts most north. And when you get there, look where you run to, Rosh. And Rosh, it is an ancient name for Russia. Theologians just didn't take this and say, well, Rosh sounds like Russia, so that's what we'll say. There's been a lot of digging, a lot of studying, a lot, a lot of work to get to to this. Then Magog. Magog is a kind of a conglomeration of people, and that's where where you get these nations that end with Stan, like Kyrgyzstan and and, uh, Afghanistan. They're a little iffy on whether Afghanistan is a part of that, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, the Stan nations. All right, That's what he's talking about uh, when he gets there. And you can see them. Most of them on our map is, is uh, identified there. I think two aren't. I put them on my map and I should put them on a map that we display up here let you all see where the, they are at. But they believe, and I've always believed this, that, that Moscow... Equals Meshach. And I don't know what that says right there. What is that? Russia. Somewhere over in this area, Tubal or Tobolsk. You've got Persia, which is is Iran. Where am I at? The purple. Yeah. Is Iran. Um, And there... They didn't change their name to 1935, not sure about that. Cush is right here. Put is right there. And there are even some people that not only Algiers and what's the other one? Libya. Some some of them believe that it also includes Morocco. And I'll give you all again the statistics of, of just four Islamic nations. And all these nations I'm talking about are Islamic. Okay? You can see out here that I put the percentage of, of population that are, that are Islamic in these. You've got Cush to be Ethiopia and Sudan, and that, that, that's where Miss Adaya come from. You know, you, you know a, a queen by the name of Sheba came from Ethiopia, don't you? Do you all know it's possible our granddaughter has Solomon blood in her? That's it. You're going to say you can't prove it does, and I'm going to tell you you can't prove it ain't. Y'all know what the word adaya means in Hebrew? God's jewel. So, I mean, really, wouldn't that be a who? Debbie to be kin to Solomon? Of course, it's by adoption, but anyway. You can always live in hope. And Gomer. Lord, help me find Gomer, somebody. Where? Ah, right there, yeah. And Talgomer is there. Uh, Gomer would be over in this, in the in the eastern part of it. Uh, they were Cimmerinians. Cimeran- I've got the word here on my paper. That that's who Gomer was. And they they probably some of them migrated up to uh, up to there. But Talgomer, the house of uh, they would also they would also possibly include those. Someone told me. I forgot who. I did that. But anyway, there's a brief rundown of those, and I hope you enjoy the map. I hope that's a blessing blessing to you too. So here's where we're going to continue with. This war presents kind of a paradox. And the reason I say that is because there are things that are certain about it that we can look at, and we have no doubt. It's undeniable. I mean, it's sure, it's set. But there is two uncertainties, and I've already mentioned them. One of them is the timing of this war. The second one is when Israel will be considered dwelling in safety without walls. Now, we've been to Israel six, I've been to Israel six times, Debbie's been to Israel five times. And there is a literal concrete wall that separates Bethlehem, which is uh, Palestinian-occupied. It is a Palestinian city all the way around it, isn't it, Debbie? It is big and it is high. There are, and depending on where the relationships are, you know, you've either got to stop and go through a checkpoint, and it's a pretty strenuous thing, If they're getting along real good on that day, you just get off one bus, get on another, and go about your way, you know. But borders over there are serious. We cross county borders and state borders without the first thought because we are, up to this point, the United States of America. But over there, crossing a boundary is a big deal. I remember one time coming from Amman, Jordan, and we were coming down, um, I don't know what mountains they were, can't remember the name of it, but they said, now listen and listen well. Do not, and they said, do not, and everybody, they said, did everybody hear that? Let me say it again, do not take a camera and take a picture, either out of the left side of the bus or the right side of the bus, or you will possibly be shot by someone that you can't see, but they can see you. So when we crossed out of jordan across the jordan river on the alaman, on the general alaman bay uh bridge we stopped in a in a uh customs office and they took everything out of our suitcase they they frisk us they did everything because at that time jordan and israel this was in 1985 were not talking to anybody. In fact, when we got on the bus heading into Jerusalem and doing our tour there, they said, now when you get to your hotel, you can call anywhere in the world you want to but one place on planet Earth. And somebody said, where's that? They said, back to Jordan. (laughs) So if you forgot anything over there, just forget it. You ain't going to have it anymore. I mean, mean, look, relationship, it's a family squabble. Y'all know that, don't you? Ishmaelites, Israelites lay claim to a piece of land that only belongs to one of them, and that is the descendants of, of uh, Isaac because that uh, he's the promised seed. But the Ishmaelites think they own it too, but, but uh, sad to say they, they do not. So those two things we can look at. One certain one is uncertain, and I think with all of my heart. Yes, ma'am. That impressed me, too. That impressed me, too. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'd, never, I'd never seen that before. And I'm thinking after I got settled down from it, I thought, here's this wacky Iraqi, and he's got an automatic machine gun. You best not say anything to tick him off, dude. You know Americans are unique. We think we own the world. I mean... I'm going to tell you, when you go into other countries, you'll change your attitude pretty quick if you got any sense about you at all. You'll lay down that bravado or I'm an American. You know what I'm saying? You may be saying that from the inside of a jail cell somewhere, hoping that your embassy will know that you're one of theirs. It's a different world, isn't it? it? I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's amazing. Sorry? No, no, no. No, they'll, uh, they'll pull you out of line and pat you down. I know for a fact. And they won't be apologetic about it. They'll take you in a room by yourself. And they're way bigger and more armed than you are. And they'll do just what they want to do. I'm telling you, it's scary. It 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 is scary. Now, Steve asked, for some of you couldn't hear, maybe somebody listening online, the latter part of verse 8 talks about the nation of Israel being brought out of the nations. Don't, aren't, aren't, aren't they more safe now than what they were when they were buried among the nations? Um, I'm going to say yes and no, and here's what I'm going to say no. Yes, as far as that physical military security goes, without a doubt, but in preservation, you know, I don't know whether they were any better then, or any worse off than they are now. So yes, I agree with what you're saying militarily. Yeah, they they were in more dangers. They were run from pillar to post, so to speak. I can't remember how many countries that that kicked them out. Y'all do know that's why America was founded. When when uh, who was the king of Spain at that time? Uh, Alexandria, Ferdinand, Ferdinand Alexander, or. Ferdinand. Is there an Alexander with his name? All right, thank you. Ferdinand, well, yeah, that's it. They they kicked him out. Yeah, that's the wife, right? And they kicked him out, gave him a little bit of time. And I believe with all my heart, the study that I've done, Christopher Columbus was a Jew, and there were Jews that financed his trip. And do you all think it's an accident that he discovered America? You know where the biggest haven for Israel has been? for years now, the United States of America. Thank God for it. So we'll start there next week, and we're going to look at the purpose of the war. war. It's where I'm going to start with in my little outline, and we'll move down maybe a little little quicker. Um, I don't know a whole lot, but I get in trouble when I try to teach because I want to tell you all everything I think I've discovered. I don't want to hold back anything, and believe me, for me... It's hard when I sit down to study um, at my desk. And this is the first, maybe the second outline that I've had during the studies on the war. I can make an outline when I get here. I just may as well keep it in my Bible covered up somewhere. Because the Holy Spirit will come along and take me a different way. But like I said, I don't know much, but what I have discovered, I want to give the whole kit, kit and caboodle to you, you know. To me, it's exciting. It's just amazing what God has done. And listen to this, and I'll, I'll quit on this. Do you all know this prophecy was given to us better than 2,600 years ago?